Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this podcast, I was delighted to welcome Lisa Lane Brown, who is a world-leading personal success coach and has her own website, The Courage to Win, where she helps people create success and also really helps them understand how they can overcome mental toughness. She's a three-time world champion, ice hockey, and has worked with an enormous number of executives and Olympic athletes and high achievers to help them reach their goals. But in this particular podcast, we are talking about us. And uh, though I'd like to think that I was able to become an Olympic athlete, that wasn't the case. And I'm sure that we are coaching a whole range of people. So we explore a lot of practical ideas about helping those that we coach and probably ourselves in building mental toughness, regaining our confidence and getting ourselves up and running. So we had some technical difficulties, but eventually we were able to get going with the podcast. It drops out a couple of times, but we get straight into it. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's have, uh, I'll get 49 minutes of, uh, short, pure quality. If you've got to stop, you've got to stop. All right. Okay. Uh, so Lisa, I know that, um, you've lived mental toughness yourself, uh, through your experiences as an elite athlete. Um, but for the audience in general, what do you understand or what should we understand by what mental toughness means? Boy, isn't that the $64 million question? Because <laughs> we talk about it in sport a lot, right? We talk about mental toughness. We talk about being in the zone. We talk about confidence. And it's it feels like this elusive, intangible uh, that boy, if we could bottle that, we would all be billionaires tomorrow. And <laughs> it, it's something as every athlete and coach, I really believe has experienced and seeks all the time and always wants to get back to that zone mentality and that zone feeling. And I know that I did. And so I'm going to describe it with using what I call the three C's. To play the game in three ways, correctly, with confidence, consistently. And let me just quickly touch on all three because like every formula, even a recipe in the kitchen, if you skip one step, you, you risk a flat cake, right? <laughs> so correctly is simply learning the skills, but learning with superior technique. And the, the example that I love is Edwin Moses who was the top track and field hurdler in the world for the better part of a decade. And he just had superior technique. You know, he was using 13 steps to run the race, you know, the, to get through the hurdles when everybody else was using 14. He just had superior technique. So he learned the skills of his sport, but he learned them in a way that was just a little bit better. And so we, we all need skills to play every sport. Every coach understands that, that you need the basics and the fundamentals. But I think a lot of us miss that, 
right? We miss that there's just something a little bit off with our technique. And I believe what coaches are trying to do in helping us is they're trying to help us self-correct those little tiny errors in technique that make all the difference um, between success and failure. Okay, so just can I just pick up on that then? So yeah. uh, when you say self-correct, that means that the coach is giving the athlete the opportunity to work out where they've gone wrong. Right, and one of the ways that we are usually coached and the way that most coaches will do it is they'll correct us, right? They'll give us a correction in training or actually in the game. And the problem with that is that it it almost never works. Like I would say about 5% of athletes can take a verbal correction and implement, you know, so let's say somebody has a history of making bad passes, right? They just, they don't have good accuracy in their passes or they're passing too soon or too late or something like that. The way most coaches will handle that is they will tell the athlete, Hey, pass it sooner or don't wait so long to pass. You know, they'll, they'll give them a correction. And the challenge with that, of course, is it violates the athlete's code, which is sport is a feel thing. And I need to figure it out on my own and correct that myself. And the very best athletes do that intuitively or can take a correction. And that's one of the, the, the kind of points of conflict between athletes and coaches is the athlete wants the coach to believe in them and to pump them up and you know, give them encouragement to give courage to. That's the definition of encouragement. But the coach is saying, look, you, you don't see yourself, you, right? You can't see yourself unless I show you the video. And even then you're not seeing yourself objectively. And it creates a lot of tension because what the athlete wants to learn how to do is self-correct. But a lot of coaches actually don't know how to give the, empower the athletes to correct themselves. And it's actually pretty easy if they learn how. Uh, I can give you a quick example if you like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll give you an example from my sport, and then you can help me create one for rugby because I'm not a rugby expert, and I know that you are. Um, and my, I must say, I, I was watching rugby before this interview, and I've seen rugby before, and I've worked with some rugby coaches, but I can tell you, wow, like it is the punishment that they that the players are taking. It's unbelievable. Um, like they have to be fast, they have to be skilled, but man, they've got to be tough. I, I just want to yeah. tip my hat to everybody involved because wow, it's it's amazing just to do it, right? You're you're already getting a gold star, but but one of the examples of learning how to self-correct is many years ago I I owned a sports training camp for kids in my sport, and one of the problems with you know training and coaching athletes is you're you're constantly correcting them. And after a while, your voice is getting hoarse. And so in my sport, just like ice hockey, you skate, uh, you know, in power skates. And one of the things that seven-year-olds always try to do is they try to skate with their legs straight. Like they don't bend their knees at all. Well, you got to bend your knees to have any balance. It's like skiing and skating are like that, right? And so what you end up saying to seven-year-olds about 94 times in an hour is bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. Well, they're annoyed, you're hoarse at the end of an hour, and they're still trying to skate with their knees completely straight. And so after, after a while of doing this, you know, we just all looked at each other and said, this is super frustrating for everybody. And I happened to read a really great book back then 
by a performance uh, author named Tim Galway. Yep. It was about a t- it's about tennis, but what he was talking about is athletes need awareness. And the reason a seven-year-old isn't bending their knees isn't because they're stubborn or rebels. They want to please. It's because they think their knees are already bent. So you're saying bend your knees. And they're like, yes, coach. Okay. And what's happening though, is they're thinking my knees are really bent. Like what's get off my back. That's what they're actually thinking. And so, but nobody knows this. And so all we did is we stopped correcting them, which I think is one of the classic mistakes we all make as coaches is correcting, overcorrecting. And we said, skate the circles three different ways with your knees, totally straight bent with skate them with you're so bent over. You're going to fall like you're losing your balance. And then in between, it's very Goldilocks, you know, this bowl is too big or too hot, too cold and just right. And lo and behold, it was magic. They, the light bulb went on when I, when we made them do it all three ways, like, Oh, Oh, my knees aren't bent at all. Now I know that they're not. And we didn't talk to them. We didn't correct them. We just had them do it all three different ways. And they picked it. They picked the way that worked the best because athletes want to control what they're doing and they want to believe that they know how to do it and they want to believe they can figure it out. And we overcorrect them. They lose their confidence because they, they're like, oh, I guess I didn't see that. And I don't know how to do it. And so, you know, in rugby, what, what is one of the biggest errors that coaches get frustrated with? Like what are we they're coaching? What do they get mad about? I think they get mad about quite a few things. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm just thinking as you, um, as you were saying, um, one of them is that uh, they will shout um, at the players to tackle, uh, okay. which is obviously an action, but uh, also they'll t- ask to shout the players to run straight. Now, rugby is an invasion game, so you need to go from one end of the field to the other. And obviously, the fastest way to go that way is to run straight up the field. But yeah. inevitably, there are players in the way, so you want to try and run around them. Uh, and uh, certainly, younger players will try and run round towards the touchline rather than running towards the goal line or the, the try line, as we call it. So they'll shout, uh, run straight. But I, I think what, what uh, more enlightened coaches do, and as what you're saying, is that they they will offer different ways of doing it and ask the players to pick one which which works uh, for them and the the thing is to try and give them an idea of what success looks and feels like so if the if they are skating well i I'm, I'm assuming that you will then say that's great what, what did that feel like absolutely yeah it's it's an interactive thing it's not it's not a hierarchical you know you got your thumb on them and such. It's, it's very much a listening art as, as you know, leadership is lit. It's leading, but it's also following. And what you just said was brilliant about, well, let's try it a few different ways. And then you pick it. It gives some empowerment. Now, sometimes the athletes, so for that example about running straight, you know, a very simple drill is I want you to run as far away from like, as, um, I guess as arced as possible. And then I want you to run straight at them, like you're going to run into them, but don't don't run into them. And and you do this in practice, right? And then I want you to run in between, something in between, like a lesser arc. And what will happen is the ones that are are taking this huge run around, 
they will see that for the first time. And they'll figure out that for them, running straight at them is the way to go. It feels wrong at first. It's like they got to try a little wrong. And they, they, they start to self-correct. And, and it gives them the feeling like, hey, I can figure this out. I just need to try a little wrong that before I, I thought I was doing it bang on. Because it's a feel thing, right? Sport is, you got to feel it. It feels different. And the decisions feel different. So, yeah, that's that's a great example. And then then you're asking them. Now, sometimes the athlete will say, and then you can say to them is, okay, was that like, was that a big arc? Was that straight up or was it in between? And they don't know. Like, I don't know. And then you can correct them. But what you're correcting them on is their awareness. You're not correcting them on what they're doing. You're correcting them on, no, no, no. You were going way around. And they're like, okay. And then you say, show me right at them. Go show me that. And that way it's under their control, right? Whether they do that. So that's what I mean by correct, playing the game correctly is raising your awareness of the little things, the little details that make a big difference in the overall performance. And that's now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to interrupt there. So I'm interested there. You're talking a lot about the awareness because sometimes we ask our players to verbalize what they've done. And that can be very difficult for them to verbalize, especially if he's talking about the seven-year-olds. But you're talking more about the feel. And then when they've done it well, you are saying, um, you know, not necessarily just how did that feel, but just show me. And they're there to take the action because, of course, um, they're not writing essays on how to skate better. They are trying to actually skate better. Right. And so like if they're skating, it's all about balance, right? So did you feel balanced when you were so low to the ice that you were almost falling? They'll be like, no. Do you feel balanced when your knees are locked? No. Do you feel balanced when you're in the middle? Yeah. Right. And so it's, you know, when it comes to like running straight, do you feel that it's more going to, for that particular exercise, my guess is it's going to be about how the feel of how long it's going to take to get there. (laughs) Right. That's going to, it's going to be a different feel. Yeah. So that that brings me on to um, another point really, which is that um, there there must be a degree of patience that you need because you're going to try these things out, the the sort of three, the the two extremes and a sort of the middle way. Um, But even with the middle way, they might not yet get it. So I'm sensing that the coach has got to be patient with the athlete. Wow, like that's that's a brilliant observation, and it kind of it, it, you know patience is is insurance supply, I think, in in all sport because there's pressure, right? Yeah. There's pressure to win. There's pressure to um, get better. There's pressure to stop making mistakes. And I love the story of um, Stephen Covey, who wrote a great book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective yeah. People. Yeah, it's a very famous book, as it should be, and he actually opens the book talking about his son who was kind of fallen behind athletically and then also academically and socially. And he's like, man, I'm a guru. And everybody, like, I don't know what to do about this. This kid is really struggling. And everyone is asking me, you know, how's your, how are your kids doing? Because there's pressure on him to have perfect children. And he, but more so he, he was worried about his son and his son, you know, he'd be like, he'd be up at bat. He'd be in the batter's box and his brothers would be making fun of him because he never hit the ball. 
and he and his wife would be like, okay, son, just choke up on that bat and you can do it. And they're being all, they give him all these pep talks. And then when he didn't hit the ball, right, you know, his brothers would make him make fun of him again. And then they would just, they couldn't leave him alone as parents. They kept on him all the time. And it was in a positive way, but it was positive pressure. And he had this epiphany where he's like, you know, I think I'm kind of giving my son the message that he's a bit of a loser. Like he didn't use that word, but he's like, how do I view my son? And he realized he talked to his wife and they realized, I think we see him as like behind, right? He's, he's sort of behind everybody and we don't see his potential. In other words, we don't believe in him. And when you don't believe in an athlete, you don't have a lot of patience with them. You lose faith in them very, very quickly. And it's true of a team as well. You know, it, 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 as coaches, we want them to show us something before we believe in them, right? Show me that you can score and I'll put you in at the key moment, right? Show me that you can stick with this guy and I'll, I'll let you cover him. And show me that you can beat this team and I'll believe in you and I won't panic and start subbing everybody out left and right. And the problem with that is, is it doesn't work because as soon as you communicate to somebody that you're losing the faith, well, you're the leader, right? You're the one who's supposed to see that bigger possibility of them. And so without that patience, without that belief in them, they're done. They're lost. They are waiting for you to show it to them first. And so I love that story that Stephen Covey talked about because they backed up off him, but they didn't neglect him or anything, but they just thought I, he can do it, right? They changed the way they saw him. And it's not about what they said or did. It was about what they thought. And I think that sometimes as coaches, we lose patience too early in the game. And I don't mean like in the game, literally, but in the overall season, because we, uh, we want, inst- you know, there's instant coffee and there's instant tea and we all want instant results. Um, but if you give them the right awareness and you ask them to pay attention, they will get better and it will, they'll get better a lot faster than being overcorrected. Yeah, I'm very interested now. You're talking a lot about um, belief, and um, that again, that's a leap of faith for you as a, as a coach. Is that I can take the fact that you're going to fail for longer than you may think, but I do think you're going to get there eventually. Now, obviously, there's going to be some deadlines for certain sports, and um, if you're training to compete in the Olympics, whenever the Olympics comes back, <laughs> then yeah, you're going to have to there's going to have to be some, I believe you're going to get a gold medal, uh, might be the wrong sort of belief. So you might have to change what you believe. But um, it, it's interesting, what language do you use where they they don't sort of think, they're just saying that for the sake of it? I mean, everyone can say, oh, I think you're going to be the greatest. Uh, and eventually the child or the athlete's going to say, look, we both know that's not going to be the case. So I sense that the language has to be a bit more nuanced and careful. Well, I think what you're trying to communicate to them all the time when you believe in them is what you're, what you're communicating to them is you trust that they can learn, that they can figure things out. You, you can't always guarantee a result in life because there are, there's always a competitor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and the competitor is going to try to 
more and they're going to try to block you from winning. And so they may do a better job on some days than others. So you can never guarantee a specific result. But what you can believe in with your athletes is, first of all, you can believe that they can learn. They can do better today than they did yesterday because what, what you're trying to instill in them is a belief that they're competing against themselves, right? They're competing against their former self and you want them to get that addiction to learning and that addiction to, wow, like I'm better this week than I was last week. That's so cool. That's really, really exciting. And it's true of the mental game as well, right? You can, you can learn to visualize where you didn't visualize before. You can learn to do a pregame routine that gets you pumped up better than not having one. You can learn how to set goals under your control, whereas before you were all getting all worked up about things you couldn't control. There are lots of ways you can improve your mental game, just like your physical game. And so every athlete has the ability to improve and learn. That's what sport at the end of the day is about is, am I a better athlete last week because I played in, you know, I I went to these training sessions and I played a game and I'm always learning and that's the juice of it. That's, that's really the juice of it. I remember, I don't know if you watched the uh, Michael Jordan um, last dance series. And one of the fascinating moments is when Jordan is talking about how he's trying to make a championship team out of the Bulls with his coach, Bill Jackson. And he's like, well, we're just going to have to stay after practice and go hard with, you know, Scottie Pippen. And he's, you know, he's got his little group there and, you know, he's like, we just, we just had to commit to getting a lot better than we were. And he, one of the great stories about Michael Jordan is he was the best offensive player in the league. And then he decided if I'm ever going to reach the goal of winning the big championship and becoming the best player in the league, I'm going to have to become the best defensive player in the league. And that means I'm going to have to take a weakness of mine. He used to take one weakness every season and decide he was going to turn that weakness into the biggest strength, his biggest strength. Well, that's amazing that you would decide to take your biggest weakness and turn it into your biggest strength. I mean, I'm not, you can niche in a sport and I think niching is great where you have a role and you excel at that role, but he had already excelled at his role. So he's like, well, I got to go somewhere where I haven't, I got to be willing to go where nobody else is willing to go. Well, where is that? I got to be a great defender, even though I'm, I'm so aggressive. Like his mindset was, he's just all about scoring. He's like, I got to learn how to play great defense. That's hard to do if you're really aggressive because all you want to do is score. You're not, you don't want to watch some guy. You want to just grab the ball and run with it. And so I, I think instilling in the players, this mindset that I can have more greatness tomorrow than I do today. You know, I might not win every game. I might not get the MVP every game. I might not score every game, but I sure as heck can be better next week if I'm paying attention to the right things. Make sense? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that uh, it should be that sport is a zero-sum game. You're going to win half your games. Um, And uh, the fact that you are improving in every game is should be the goal and if you can if the coach can then highlight that to you say yeah I know we lost and I know we didn't gain as many points we didn't maybe beat those opponents in the way that we wanted to but what what how did you move on what is different from last time and I think there's also a lot of research saying that the motivation to learn comes from learning not from necessarily being engaged but you are uh, I'm a bit better than yesterday. How can I be a bit better 
than before. So again, I, I, so I know we've moved away. For, we've, we've covered one C, which was correct. Yep. So we better go on to a few of the other Cs. Yeah, let's get to C2. This is confidence, which we kind of dabbled in just momentarily. But confidence is the expectation of success. And I love the quote from one of my favorite authors, Chinning Chu, who talks about how you can put two lion tamers, you can, you can take two lion tamers, you can put them in the same outfits, you can teach them the same techniques, you can um, have them give the lion the same commands, and one of them is going to get the lion to jump through the hoop, and the other one's going to end up in a gruesome mess on the floor. And it's the one because what she's trying to impart is that you can have the same skills as the day before or the week before, but some days you're just going, some days you just believe and you get in that confident zone. It's usually because you had a good start and a good warm up, but not necessarily, but you're on a bit of a roll. You got your momentum, right? And you believe. And when that happens, everything just clicks. It just works. It's, it's, it just happens. It, it flows. And when you don't have it, you know, everything just hits the post. You know, that's the classic. It's like you're doing everything right. And it just, you're, the, the ball is not going over the line. It's not happening. It's just falling apart. And it's very challenging because it's, it, it's that elusive intangible, but every athlete has felt it. Every coach has felt it where they really expected to do well and they expected to win. And it's a skill that I believe we need, we owe it to ourselves to learn how to do. And people don't think of it as a skill, though they think of it as a trait. So I believe that the purpose of, one of the purposes of mental toughness is for every athlete and every coach to take the responsibility of understanding confidence from the inside out and giving themselves that assignment to learn about themselves enough to be able to generate confidence when they need it before they compete and then hold on to it while they're competing. And if, if we're not giving ourselves that training and the beauty of it is you don't have to do extra stuff outside your sport. You can learn that in your training sessions, in your practices and in your games, you don't have to take a lot of extra time. That's the beauty of it. But man, if you don't, I, I was like, I was a case study of this. I was like the biggest bum I had ever met in my sport because I was, I had good skills, but I was, I was that player who was like a yo-yo, like one week I'd have all this confidence and the next I'd come, just come crashing down. And it came to a head at one of the, uh, one of our national championships because we lost six, five and a teammate of mine got all five goals, which never happens. And it does, it certainly never happens in a national final. And outwardly, I was like, oh, good job, Shauna, way to go. And inwardly, I was like, just envious, right? And eating my heart, I'm like, oh, man, I would love to have done that. And I, got, I was so depressed. I got on the plane home, and I had a little athlete's journal, and I wrote, like, what is my problem? Like, why don't I have any, like, why can't I, don't have any confidence that's lasting? Why am I such a yo-yo? And I actually made a promise to myself that I was going to go home and find out like what my deal was 
And that's when I started getting into this mental toughness concept. And I started working as a volunteer at the time. Like this was, I don't date myself. This is a good 20 years ago now. And started listening to athletes. Like what worked for them that made them confident? And what did they do that didn't work, right? That made their confidence come crashing down. And I, I heard a lot of patterns and I heard a lot of trends. And I thought, well, the cool part is you can... You can learn how to do this and it's not rocket science, but it does require um, a little bit of practice and a little bit of effort. So, I mean, obviously uh, one of the things that you will be doing as a coach is offering up uh, what you're going to do. So I'm obviously we don't want to give away too many of the, the crown jewels here, but give us one sort of thing that might start the process. Yeah. I'm going to give you three and they're all, they're all uh, easy to do and they're very practical and something any coach as well can help their athletes with. And so the first thing that you want to get your athletes grooved on is understanding what gets them off their game. Every athlete is going to have a negative confidence trigger, like a demon stressor that when that thing happens to them, they're going to fall apart. And chances are, they don't even know what it is. Well, you can't fight against an enemy you can't see. And so mine was, if I didn't score early, I was done. First four chips, I didn't get a goal. Everyone would roll their eyes and be like, oh, she's done now. She's going to the toilet, right? But I didn't know that. And we had a session with a sports psychologist on the national team, and he had us write all this stuff down. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God, everyone looks at me, what? If I don't score really early, I just lose my confidence and play sort of bad. And they're like, yeah, everybody here knows that about you. Like the coach knows it, the ref knows it, the people in the stands know it, the guy selling hot dogs, he probably knows. And I'm like, oh. And that was an eye opener for me because, you know, I wasn't very self aware. And so I set a goal for myself that year. I'm like, I got to get doesn't matter if it takes the whole season. I'm going to get to the point where if I don't score early, I'm more motivated, right? I'm, I'm, I'm more like, I'm going to channel that energy in a positive way, not a negative way. I'm going to channel that frustration. And so the first thing I think as a coach you want to do is you want to have the athletes write down and share the biggest, their biggest stressors. And they need to know what those are. And you might be one of them if you're the coach. And if you're, if, if, if you getting frustrated with them or you subbing them out or you doing something in practice or games is a, is a cause for anxiety, have them share it, right? You, you just park the ego, put a pin in that because we don't all always know how we're coming across. And so you want to know that, but they also want to know what their biggest stressors are and they want to set a goal around defeating that. And it might take a day, a week, a month, a, year, a season, whatever, but they want to start to get over the things that really sap their strength and they have to start by knowing that. So that's a very simple exercise. In the, and part of the fun in that is they can share it together and kind of desensitize it a little bit, right? And then sometimes the team can help each other, right? So say if somebody... Um, is, is penalized. Well, if you know that about a teammate, you can help them. 
good for me, don't worry about it. No big deal. That call wasn't your fault. Or you got this. Come on, let's, I, 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 you got it. If you know that making mistakes is a really big deal for a teammate, um, to be like, you, you got this. You're the best at Sorry, Lisa, I'm sorry. The, the last bit of the, uh, the last couple of sentences just disappeared there for some reason. If you have a teammate and you know that their biggest stressor is if they make a mistake, like let's say they make bad passes or they pass too early or they pass too late and they do that, you can say something to them right in the game that helps them get back, get focused again, right? Like, no big deal. We got this. Let's just get back on it, right? That kind of idea. It helps each other to learn the biggest stressors. Um, so, I mean, what you're saying is that because everybody's in this together, they're helping each other out. They can say, well, look, I, I know that Lisa needs to score early, but if she's not, I can see she's going to get stressed. We're, I'm going to go and give her the... Uh, you know, the uh, the metaphorical arm around the shoulder and say, look, we got this, you know, we'll, we'll get through this. I, I believe in you as a teammate and the coach believes in you and you will say, yeah, it's not such a big deal. Right. And and you can say, keep shooting, you know, because one of the things in, in any kind of team sport is that people are reluctant to keep going when they feel like they're bombing out. Right. So that's just one example. You could be like, no, no, keep it's going to happen for you. Keep shooting as opposed to thinking, man. If I take one more shot, they're going to just lock me up in the, in the, in the, on the bench here because I'm wasting shots, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's a very important step uh, for anyone to take to start becoming more mentally tough right away. And the yeah. second step that I really recommend is the reason people lose confidence is that something bad has happened, right? They made a mistake. Uh, their opponent did something to Scooby-Doo them or outsmart them or they're faster, they beat them in some way. Something, uh, somebody says or does something you don't like, like a coach or a teammate, things happen. That's what derails our confidence, right? And so in order to get your confidence back, the number one thing every athlete has to do for themselves is figure out why that happened so they can prevent it from happening again. Because what they're afraid of is that it's going to happen again. And so as in, a, in an example, I mean, I don't, you can tell me if this is very on point to rugby, but if, if you're in a scoring slump, as an example, you have to know why. Mm. Why is that? Is it something you're doing technically on the field? Is it something that's going on with the tactics of your team? Is it a certain way that a, a tack that your team is playing is not suited to you? Are you, have you slowed down for some reason? Do you have an injury? Like what, what has happened to cause that? And there's usually something that has happened um, that they, they haven't really picked up on. And often the coach can help them out. Um, so you know, like one time I was, I was playing and I, again, I wasn't scoring and I got frustrated. And then after the game, my mom said, um, Lise, you weren't, you stopped shooting like four minutes in, you just started passing. Do you know that? And I, I was like, what? No. She said, yeah. And I'm like, thank God for moms. Right. But <laughs> it, it, sometimes we don't see the most 
obvious things that other people see and we lose hope because we've missed it. I, I worked with a badminton player once who he'd be really prided himself on getting, getting the bird back. He was really quick. He was really good defensively and he played his rival and he kind of crushed him. But then he played him a couple of months later and his rival got really angry about this. And um, he decided to work on a part of his game that, that really made it hard to get the bird back. And so uh, Brandon, this player, it's not his real name, but this player that I was working with, uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't get to the bird. And it really bothered him. And he fell apart. He just, just lost it in the game. And after the game, I said, it, he had no idea. Because that was, a big, that was his big point of pride, was that he, was always, he could always get to the bird. He could always get to it. He was really quick. And he couldn't because his rival was better. He'd gotten better in the past few months. And so he expected to crush him, but he didn't. And he didn't know why. And he hadn't noticed that that was even a problem for him mentally. And so a lot of athletes, they lose their confidence, but they don't have the self-awareness to go in there and they, or they don't have the objectivity, which a coach can help give you. Right. So it's not, it's not so much uh, criticizing them. It's giving them a different perspective on why is this happening to you? What's going on there? So that's, that's a huge part of uh, regaining your confidence. And of course, the last part is you got to get your team doing some kind of pregame. They've got to, they've got to prepare before they compete. And it's, they don't have to all do the same thing, but they've got to do something that gets them flipping the switch from nerves, right, into confidence. They can visualize to music. They can play hacky sack. There's, there's lots of stuff you can do, but, <laughs> but, but they got to figure something out. As a, they got to do a short one as a team and a short one as an individual. And they've got to do something to relax, get loose, and just move themselves from like that tight nerves into flowing, right? They're, they're going, they're getting into it. That's, that's so important. And uh, a lot of coaches miss that. And they leave it up to the players. And that's a mistake. One of the uh, best videos I saw about... Five, five, six years ago was um, a team, uh, Brighton College, and uh, which school in in England, and um, they had a party before the game, so they actually had music, dancing, um, they decorated the the changing room, so that that was a way for them to relax before the game, and it sort of took the heat out of the nerves because that's that's what it is. I mean, a lot of a lot of players and coaches will say the worst. The worst thing is the actual is that period between the time that the bus arrives or the coach arrives at the destination until the kickoff because you're you're killing time before the the game starts. So anything to to break that up must be good, right? So I want you to get on to the last C then. Well, yes, and that's brilliant, right? What you just said, party before the game, because who doesn't love just bonding with their peers and your friends? That's why you play, right? Is that those yeah. those moments and. Uh, that's a that's a brilliant strategy. The third C is consistency. And that is being able to bring minimally the same level of effort in to your training and competition day in and day out. 
And the, the, the poster child for this is a movie you might have seen many years ago called Rudy. Uh, it's a movie about a football player who wants to play for Notre Dame, uh, which is a famous uh, U.S. college that has a, a famous football program. And basically, he, he does. He's a hundred foot nothing. He's a <laughs> he's five foot nothing and a, a hundred nothing. In other words, he's really little, which for his sport wasn't good. But he loved he loved it uh, to the moon and back. And all he dreamt and ate and slept was Notre Dame football. And he was so dedicated that he got himself to Notre Dame. He got into Notre Dame with very poor grades initially, but studied and studied and finally got in. And he, he, gets, he gets to walk on tryouts. And he gives, he gives a level of effort in the walk-on that the coaches had, the likes of which they had never seen. And they're like, we're going to put him on the team because he put in more effort than any guys we've got on the field all combined. <laughs> and the coach says, "If do you think you can do that day in and day out, right? Do you think you could bring that level of intensity? He's like, coach, I have no doubt. He's like, you lighten up one hair, I'll throw your butt off this team. You can't even, so quick, you can't even imagine. And, and he puts him on the team because he's trying to teach the players who are going to start because he has no hope of starting. He's not, he's not a scholarship player. He wants to teach them that the, that heart is worth its weight in gold. And when you show up and you show up again and again and again, good things start to happen. Mm. People mm. notice you and, and, and just by sheer, you know, attrition, you can make things happen. And I know, I mean, when I watched, like I said, was watching some rugby again, it reminded me of, you know, just the sheer, just being willing to commit to the level of physical punishment. You know, this has got to be a strength of most of these athletes, but, but bringing that to everything, right. Bringing that to your training, bringing that to your, your, your practices, bringing that to your games and committing yourself to extend the wall physically right? Most athletes don't do that. You know, we all hate physical pain. We all have a low pain tolerance, but just committing to go to the wall. That's pretty good. That's tough to beat, you know? And so from now, that's what we want from um, an athlete, but as a coach, then you, you're trying to create chances for them to do this is what you're saying you're saying uh in in that example there you're giving the example of a coach who said this person's getting me on the team to show the other people what it means to be on the team is that the role of the coach here to create that environment to create those circumstances i think it is but it doesn't have to be framed on the, on the level of you know punishment mm. i think it can be at all because like that's not a selling feature um I think it can be framed on the level of sometimes we think that taking it easy or not working as hard as we could is better. Like we just think, well, it's just a little easier and we unconsciously would favor that approach. Um, and it's not just working hard. It's, it's, it's not just about physical hard work. It's about being dialed in and focused mentally. 
Like one of the things that it's very difficult to do, for example, on defense is pay attention all the time. That's why people get behind you. You're not paying attention. And it's, it's difficult to bring just that level of being present in the game and paying attention to what your opponents are doing, you know, watching all the plays that they're running, watching their tendencies, getting to know them. That That's a high degree of mental intensity. And often we think, oh, it's a lot of hard work. I don't know, like if it's better to do that. And it's actually just questioning that premise and realizing that, you know, often the more that we are absorbed in what we're doing, both physically and mentally, the more fun it is. Like that's where the juice is. And you, you, it's like all this time goes by and it feels like a minute, right? Isn't that why we play sports? It's so exciting. It's not like some, some people compare it to their jobs and like, oh, it's 908. It feels like I've been here all day. Well, the, the more you get involved in, in it, you know, you combine that desire to learn what the coach wants to do is kind of get them to notice how much more fun it is when we're engaged and we're testing ourselves and we're learning and it just makes you feel good about you, right? So I think it's really just challenging the idea that um, it's it's better to be up and down than it is to just commit to it when you're there. Yeah, I love the idea of the more that you, you get more out of what you put in. Sorry, you get, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And to make the players become um, totally engrossed in what they're doing and why they're doing it, I think uh, makes a big difference. Now, Lisa, I know that we are being tight for time. We had a few technical difficulties before we started, which uh, tested our own mental toughness to get there. Um, so if people want to find out uh, more about some of the things we've been talking about and get involved a bit more in uh, what you do, wh- where have they got to go? Where's a good place for them to start? Yeah, uh, a good place for them to start would be my website, thecouragetowin.com. So it's thecouragetowin.com. And on the homepage, there'll be um, a section for sports. Just click on that. I've got a blog. You can get free articles. And we'll also have a gift for your listeners it's the sports mental sports mental toughness handbook. It's free. It's a resource that we've created uh, that basically shares the, the mental toughness secrets of superstar athletes. And it's a, a fun read. Go through it, and they'll be able to take some ideas out for their own mental game. It's it's great for coaches. Coaches can use that themselves. They can give that to their athletes. And um, so it's thecouragetowin.com. And you can, if you go to the sports articles, the opportunity to download it is there, but we'll also send a link to you, Dan, and you can send the link out just to download that directly. Um, It doesn't take a lot. It's not rocket science to really dramatically uh, take a, take a quantum leap in performance with a team. It's, uh, it's something most athletes and coaches are not doing. And the reason they're not doing it is they don't know how. They've never been trained. That's all. And this is a great place to get started with the basics. If you want more, you know, we've got online training and such for the coaches and athletes who love it. But really, it's it's some things that don't take extra time. You just put it into practice and they'll start to fly. Yeah, and it comes across very clearly from just our talking now. It's um, These are easy wins. 
for coaches and players. And it's, it must make everybody far more excited about coming to training and be involved in the games if they can make these, these simple train changes. Yeah, sport's about stress and uh, about excitement as well. Um, but, you, you know, you've lived the experience, but also we've, we've touched on things which can everyone can probably take away and think, yeah, actually I can do that. I can do that now. But Lisa, this has been brilliant, really enjoyable. Um, I know we, we had a bit of um, problems just getting ourselves up and running because of the technology. Um, but um, I've, I really felt that I'd come away with some key things there, which I'm going to be able to put in place myself. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. So thank you very much for your time. It's really my pleasure. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And a special thank you to you, Dan, for having me. It's been a, a joy as well. Good. And thank you for bringing in some rugby references as well. So uh, that was very, very good. Um, and uh, thank you, everyone, for... You are best. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and uh, if you want to find out more, uh, click on uh, the links below. Uh, go to read the blurb. And... Uh, Go over to rugbycoachweekly.net to find out more about this podcast and all the other podcasts that we run. So thanks very much and thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.